let's have a word of prayer. We have a kind of a little different day here this morning. I'm going to have someone join me here in just a minute to um, touch on our topic today. But we're going to continue our conversation from last week. And last week, we started this difficult conversation, and we'll look at that in a second. But let's just take a minute to pray. Let's just take about 30 seconds right here at the beginning just to sit in silence and open up, uh, open up our hearts, open up our lives. There's a lot of busyness in our lives, and we even bring that with us on Sunday morning. We're already thinking about the things we got to do the rest of the day, the week ahead. But I just want to encourage us, can we be people that learn the beauty of stillness and quietness and believe that God speaks to our hearts in those moments? So let's just prepare ourselves for the next 30 seconds, just a place of quietness. Lord, we open up ourselves to you today. Our lives are busy. Sometimes we're at these unsustainable paces of life. And Lord, I just ask God that you would teach us in these months ahead, because I believe this is one of the messages that you've laid on my heart for myself and for our church, for your church here at Journey Church, that we would just learn these rhythms of just being quiet, just pulling away from noise, pulling away from all the messages that come our way through social media, the news, other voices. Those things, if we're not careful, begin to form us. And Lord, we want to pause because we want to be formed into the image of your son, Jesus. That's our desire, to be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we step out of a, a life that's so full of messages we step into you today. And Lord, I just pray you'd help us on this journey just to learn how to pull away so we can set our face upon you and open up our ears and our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So last week, let me make sure I'm ready to go here. Last week, we started this... Um, these talks on this very difficult issue here, this difficult issue here. Maybe it's on my end here. I do have problems once in a while. There we go. Everybody say that word together. One of our favorite words. Everybody together. Depression, okay? We started a, um, a two-week series. Last week was week one. This week is week two. And um, this is how we define depression in this little two-week series. It actually comes from the Mayo Clinic. This is their definition of depression, and look at these words very carefully. Depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and a persistent feeling of loss of interest. Just think of that one alone, loss of interest. How many people know that's not a good thing in relationships to have a loss of interest? So depression is a mood disorder that causes persistent feelings of sadness, loss of interest. It affects how we feel. It affects how we even think. It affects how we behave. 
And it can lead, listen carefully, it can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. So what Mayo Clinic is saying through this definition is it is very possible that there are people that are experiencing physical and emotional problems due to the issue of depression, okay? The issue of depression. So last week, we made it super, super, super clear, and I want to make it super clear once again today that depression can stem from genetic and biological roots, okay? I want to make that super clear. Depression can stem from genetic and biological roots, but it isn't always a malfunction of the mind. So does everybody have that? Is everybody clear on that? Yes, we know that there's genetic and biological roots, but it's not always, not 100% of the time, a malfunction of the mind. Sometimes it's a signal of what we're calling external factors in our lives that we can identify, and after we identify that, we can work on correcting those things. So yes to the biological and um, genetic side, but there's also these external factors that we can identify and be corrected. So we looked at that last week, and we're going to look at those factors again here in a second. But last week, I want to make this very clear also, is we pointed out that there's people, that people who walk close to God, people that walk close to God are not exempt from depression. I want to make that clear one more time. Because sometimes we think, well, if I'm super duper close to God, these things will never happen. But that's not what we see in Scripture. And last week, our case study was three different people in Scripture. We looked at the prophet Elijah. We saw that he was one of the great prophets that even appeared at the transfiguration with Jesus and Moses. But Elijah, we saw in his story that even after his greatest victories, when he defeated the 450 prophets of Baal, we see that even after that, he went into a place of depression. Then we also read in the book of Lamentations, we read of a prophet whose name is Jeremiah that was being used mightily by God to give warnings to the people of Judah against their sin. But even in the midst of being used by God, he laminates, he um, laments. There's the word I'm looking for. Thank you very much for the help. He laments in in the book of Lamentations about how he just feels like God's not even there anymore, okay? And then one other example, because some people say, well, that's all Old Testament. That's all Old Covenant. We're under the New Covenant. Well, there's also a very good story, not a very good story, but a story of reality of depression in the life of the guy that wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, who went on um, three or four different missionary journeys. And we know his name is Paul we see that he went through seasons where he was in darkness and depression. So it's not just um, for people who are away from God. It can sometimes even affect people who have a very close relationship with God. So what we did last week is we spent all of our energy looking at some of the external factors that can come into play. These are things that if we're not careful can bring us into a place of depression And we looked at six, and we're going to look at them um, boom, 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 quickly. The first one we talked about, and I think this is a biggie, and that is life imbalances is an external factor, if we're not careful, that can lead us into depression. And that is when we have too much of one thing in our life. It could be work. 
It could be a hundred different things, but there's just this imbalance in our life. It can put you in a cave of depression. Another one was when we compare ourselves with others. And this is really one of the biggest dangers of social media. We look at everybody's snapshots of how wonderful their lives are, and then we look at our lives and we think, wow, their life is so exciting. They're, here. they're not in church this morning because they're in Hawaii. And they're at the beach, and here I am. I barely made it out of my bed this morning. It's cold. I slipped on some ice in the church parking lot. And I mean, look at my life compared to theirs. And what we can do is we compare ourselves with others, and that can be an external factor that leads us into a place of depression. Here's some, some other big ones. Negative thinking. Negative thinking, our thought life. We talked last week that we think up from anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And we discovered last week that 80% of those thoughts are negative, and we ruminate on those thoughts, and they become, they become our reality. We get put in a place of depression, negative thinking. We got to learn how to take our thoughts captive, and we need to begin to think about what is true and honorable and pleasing to God. Three other ones real quick. We talked about isolation and loneliness can lead to a place of depression, and the irony of our time is that we live in the most connected era in human history, yet we're lonelier than ever before. Lonelier than ever before. Yes, we have social media friends. We have followers. We have people who are just waiting for the next thing that we post. Yeah, right. But anyway, they're just waiting. But we live in this loneliness. Do we have a flesh and blood friend? Actually, we're going to talk about that briefly this morning, too. That's really good. Here's another one. Our inability to process pain can put us in a cave because pain is just a way of life. We live on this side of heaven. We live as a result of the fall. And there will be pain because we live in an imperfect world. The question now will be this. How do you process your pain? Do you run to a lot of negative ways to try to fix your pain or do you run to Christ? So external or this processing of pain and then we said last week, yes, there's times then when you just go through what Paul calls spiritual warfare, when he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's times of spiritual warfare because there's a real enemy whose agenda is to kill, steal, and destroy. But how many people know the good news is Jesus came that we might have what? Life. And what kind of life? Abundant life. Okay. So those are the external factors now, this morning, what I want to do is I want to change gears, and we're going to take a look at some practical steps, very practical steps that we can take to help us come out of the cave. We're in the cave, we're depressed, but these are just some practical things that we can do to bring ourselves out of the cave, okay? Now, we're not talking about people, like I said at the beginning, where people have genetic and biological issues. No, these are people where our issue is the external factors, okay? Does everybody got that clear? We're talking to those people where the external factors have put you in a place where you don't want to be. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about practical things that you can do to bring yourself out. So here's what I would suggest you do. Get a piece of paper, get a pen, whatever, and you begin to write some of these things down so you can take them home and look at them. But what I want to do right now is I have someone here to help me out this morning so will our guest come forward? If Darren would come forward, he is going to help me out this morning. And let's just welcome Darren this morning. Thank 
We've never done anything like this before, so Pastor Mike is a little nervous, okay? He's nervous what Darren might say. No, he's worried about himself, okay? So that's on Darren. So give us a... Darren, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself to our congregation and let us know your credentials. How about that? Okay. I don't usually speak with a mic. Usually I, uh, I, I teach at North Central University as a psychology professor. And I... I I spent a lot of time, I spent 15 years as a mental health clinician in the Colorado Department of Corrections doing therapy with inmates, and I, when I'm in the classroom, I use my prison voice, and I don't have to have a microphone. <laughs> so it reaches all the way to the back and sometimes into the street. Um, but that's, that's like my, my background a little bit, is I did a lot of mental health clinical work, and then I got a PhD um, and got a job at a small university or small college in Nebraska. Um, and if you look up the name of that town on Google Maps, you, it just doesn't even look like there's anything there. Um, that was Peru, Nebraska. Anybody know where Peru, Nebraska is? Oh. No, nobody does, I know. And then I got a job teaching at North Central University, our uh, local AG university, and I've been there for about three years now. Hi. So he's one of us. He's one of us. So welcome <laughs> him this morning. Actually, Darren and his family have been attending Journey Church now for how long? Over a year now. All right. So, and by the way, if you wonder if online church works, it certainly worked for their family. That's how they started joining us at Journey Church was online during the pandemic when it was at its heights and we had to close down, they were a family that watched online and, and they started coming to church and boom. Found out he was a professor where I graduated from college. Is everybody impressed? North Central University. <laughs> Back in the day when it used to be called a Bible college, North Central Bible College, then I found out that Darren was a professor there, so I tried to make connections and we have sat and talked several times at Family Fresh. That's my meeting, my other office. And every time we get together to talk, I just I try to do a lot more listening than talking because this is obviously somebody that's um, smarter than I am, and I accept that. And um, I always just glean so much information. And we have been talking about this issue of depression in one of our recent meetings. And what we did is we start coming up with eight or nine different ways of steps, practical things that he has found out through his research. He has found out through research and through reading of how people can come out of these dark places. So we're going to let Darren talk about those things. But before we do, there's a couple that I just want to hit on two real quick before Darren steps in that I think are just real practical steps. And that is that we need to get in a healthy shape. We need to get in healthy shape through intentional rest. Some of you just need more rest. You know what I'm talking about? Our bodies need good sleep. I talk to um, some families and I hear, you're we go to bed at 8.30, and I'm like, you go to bed at 8.30? I'm like, how do you do that? And um, then they sleep, and I'm like, do you get all the sleep? And I'm like, I get to bed about 11, and I'm up at 6. I mean, it's crazy, and I don't sleep all night. But anyway, let's go. Other, other ways are healthy diets. Some of us just need to um, begin to eat healthy, have a healthy diet. And here's a big one that we hit on last week that I, I'll hit on probably 15 more times this year at Journey Church, and that is we need to have sustainable schedules. That's one of, our, one of the biggest problems I see in people right now. 
Yes, they have doable schedules where they can do it, but is it sustainable over the long run? And one of the go-to verses last week, I think is just a verse that you should put on your refrigerator, is Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, said these words, better one handful of tranquility than two handsful with toil and chasing after the wind. And what is Solomon saying? For some of us, we need to get this lesson. Sometime, believe it or not, less, one handful, is better than more, two handsful. And sometimes what some of us, all we need to do is to get out of this place of darkness is we need to begin to say no to some things. And not always think that if I have more, if I have more, if I have more, it will be better. That's not always the case. And what happens is our lives get imbalanced and that can put us into a bad place. And sometimes what some of us need to learn, and it's me for, for certain, that is we just need to learn how to say no and realize better is one handful of tranquility, peace, quietness, than two hands full of a craziness in our lives. So that's a great lesson we need to learn. One other one real quick that I think is a very practical step that you can take, and that is exposure to, everybody say this word together, sunlight. How many people know we had a couple days this week that were full of sunlight? And we need to have exposure to the great outdoors. I read this week that sunlight provides what? Vitamin D. And vitamin D keeps our immune system strong and can help regulate insulin levels. So I just want to encourage you, don't be a hermit, okay? And don't be always, you know, living in your man cave or your woman cave. There's times where we need to come out. And when that sun is shining, I just want to encourage you, I don't care how cold it is outside, one, of the, one small thing that might be helpful to you is just to go out and take in some sunshine, some good old vitamin D, get outside. Even if it's just walking around the block for 15 minutes, there's something they say about just exposure to these two things that God has given us, sunlight and the outdoors, that can be very helpful to you. By the way, how many people love just to be outside naturally? That's just who you are. You love the out. How many people are, I'm, indoor, I'm an indoor person. Oh, that's okay. We love everyone. So get outside, enjoy the sunlight. That might be a big step for you. Now, Darren, with your expertise, let's continue on. We got six more to go on. So what's, what's another one they have discovered? Everybody say that together. Thankfulness. Darren, you want to talk into thankfulness real quick? So thankfulness has shown to be really important. Um, uh, a guy at the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Seligman, Martin Seligman, did a really interesting study on thankfulness. He took people that were depressed and broke them up into two groups. And he had one group just sort of live their lives. Um, and he had the other group do... Uh, what we all have come to know in the popular media, this is a very popular thing, um, but it has research behind it. They, they did what's called a thankfulness log or a thankfulness journal or a gratitude journal. Um, every personal uh, coach and well-being person and guru in the world now has people do these. Um, but it started back with Dr. Seligman, and actually it started in the Bible. Um, and what he found is that the group that did this journal ended up with um, much fewer symptoms, much less intensity of symptoms with their depression. It was managed, I guess, more effectively, and um, it didn't get any worse. 
they didn't have really significant spells of depression um, as they did their thankfulness logs. So thankfulness is um, shown by science to be, and I hate to use the word science because everybody uses it, but uh, the evidence is that the more thankful you can be, um, the healthier your brain will be. So yeah, pretty powerful. Right. By the way, I just I want to give a disclaimer. It comes from a professor when I was at North Central who would say this, and I want you to hear it today. All truth is God's truth. Meaning if it's truth, it originates with God. So sometimes you say, well, this is a psychology test or this is what they learn from... Re if it's true, it comes from God, okay? All truth is God's truth. But we also want to throw in a lot of scripture today with each one of these, because Paul spoke to this issue of being thankful several times, several times throughout the epistles. He talks about this whole issue of giving thanks. And one of the great examples of this is 1 Thessalonians 5.18, where Paul writes these words, in everything. Let's all say those three words together, in everything. I want you to notice he's not saying for everything. He's saying, no, in everything. When you're in the midst of trouble, when you're in the midst of pain, when you're in the midst of victories, when you, wherever you're at, in everything, give thanks. Why? For this is God's will. It, God's this is, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So this whole idea of being thankful, yes, they find it in research that it works, but it's also it's given to us in Scripture that we are to be thankful people in every situation we go into or every situation we find ourselves in. And I remember years ago, a wise man asked the question, where can you find God? And his response is, we can find God in a thankful heart. There's something when we take on this idea of being, or this practice of being thankful, thankful. So here's my challenge, just like they did in this study. Maybe some of you need to get out a piece of paper this week and begin today while it's fresh in your mind and begin to write out what I call a thankful for list. What are the things that you are thankful for? How many people are thankful that you have a roof over your head this morning? How many people are thankful that you were, able to prop, you were able to eat this morning? We have food on our shelves. How many people are thankful for health? How many people are thankful for Jesus? We have so much to be thankful for, and it's when we begin to focus on these things that we have to be thankful for, something amaz amazing help happens in our life. Can I add just one more thing? Oh, absolutely. There was just a study done like this year, yes. and uh, what it also found out is that receiving thankfulness. So, so um, we can have an impact on other people's mental well-being and mental health. Cool. It's really important to um, express gratitude to others. They've found that that actually is almost as powerful or as powerful as a person going through and finding out, figuring out what they're thankful for. So it's important to be thankful, but it's also really important to express your thankfulness. Yes. So I really want to encourage you to be thankful this week. Every time you're tempted to be ungrateful, just, I want to just challenge you to be thankful, thankful. Wake up every day and say, I'm going to start my day by being thankful for three things. I'm thankful that I woke up. I'm thankful that I have heat on in my house this morning. I'm thankful that I woke up to a wonderful spouse today. I just want to encourage us, let's be thankful in a world that is just the opposite. We want to be thankful people. Darren, let's have, hit on the fourth one here, and that is the issue of everybody together, forgiveness. forgiveness. Darren, you want to talk into forgiveness? Yeah, Pastor. Forgiveness is uh, one of those things that you wouldn't think that um, 
a field of science would look at. But um, what they've done is they've actually studied this in victims of crimes, where um, uh, people who work to forgive those that have committed crime against them, they've found that they recover better, they've found that their depression is alleviated, they have less anxiety, that forgiveness is a path, one path, for victims of criminal acts to um, sort of restore themselves um, by forgiving those who have committed crimes against them. And so, um, forget, and then they've studied the, the inmates too, and those that were able to receive forgiveness also found that, that they functioned much better. They, they were, they had less problems in prison, they um, weren't as criminal as typically you would be in prison. So what they've found in this research is that forgiveness in these kind of extreme situations is really restorative to one's mental health. Um, it, it, it allows people to start living well again or, or start the path of building that wellness. Um, so it's, it's, it's very powerful and, interestingly enough, pretty well researched. We know, all know as followers of Jesus that he taught often on forgiveness. He, ex, he expressed, he carried out forgiveness. I mean, that was who Jesus, a big part of who he was, his message was forgiveness. Paul talked about forgiveness in several parts of the New Testament. For example, one would be Ephesians 4.32. He says, be kind, be compassionate to one another. And check it out, he says, forgiving each other. We need to be people who forgive each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. So freely you have received forgiveness. We are, to be, we are to be people who freely give forgiveness because we don't want to live a life full of hurt, pain, bitterness, and anger. And this is what unforgiveness does in many of our lives. If we allow it to, to continue on and to fester, it can be a very negative thing that leads to depression. So I want to encourage you. Maybe there's a situation right now in your life and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now and there's a relationship right now that you just know without a doubt where you need to take care of unforgiveness. I want to encourage you, make it today, make it this week, a week where you say, I'm not only going to hear the Word of God, I'm going to be a doer of the Word of God. And it's through the doing that we experience the blessings of God. So I want to encourage you in the area of forgiveness, how are you doing in that area? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there unforgiveness that you're holding on to? I want to let you know one of the ways that you can get out of your depression, out of a place of, of the darkness, is by simply following these biblical steps that we have, and that is so far we've looked at thankfulness and we've looked at forgiveness. Let's look at some other ones. I think these ones get really, really interesting, and that is, Darren, we're going to look at this one here. Why don't you speak into healthy relationships and tell us what they found out about healthy relationships through research. Uh, so, um, this one is fascinating. Uh, Harvard uh, and their psychology department did a study that lasted like 80 years. Um, multiple people involved, of course, and they followed people uh, all the way through their lives to see how they aged and what were the factors that help you age well. What are the factors that help you not age well? You know, right. you, what, what determines the person that is 100 years old and is um, 
loving life and the other person who's really cranky and spends time kicking people off their lawn. <laughs> so what, one of the things that they found, this is really interesting, is that people who maybe grew up in chaos or grew up in struggles and struggled with mental illness throughout their lives, even into their, their mid, midlife, 40s, 50s, I guess 60s is midlife now too, I hope. <laughs> And uh, they found that um, if those people could find one healthy relationship, maybe they find that one person that they just connect with finally, that person that will have, that, uh, you know, showed them compassion, was able to lift them up and build them up and connect with them, that as they continued in that relationship, their problems, their, their mental health problems and the, the problems of struggle began to dissipate. And they found that those people, when they established healthy relationships, aged just as well as people who didn't struggle. And so um, the take, key takeaway from that is uh, I used to tell my clients in the prison, and I'm, I, tell, you know, I tell my students this now, is that if you're treating depression, one of the things to do is to pursue at least one healthy relationship. That's all, it's, that's all that the evidence, you know, we want multiple healthy relationships, of course, but the evidence is just one that is, is nurturing and, you know, full of consent and equality and inclusion. Just that one person that you can be really tight with. And so. so it's not just a relationship, it's a healthy relationship. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just a Facebook friend, it's a healthy relationship. So let me ask you quickly, just to keep the response to yourself, do you have a healthy relationship? Do you have at least one healthy relationship in your life? And there's a lot of people that they, can, they can't answer that um, question with, the, with a yes. But it's a great place to start, and Scripture really says something about the key to healthy relationships. Ecclesiastes, Solomon says two people are better off than one, where they can help each other. Everybody say, help each other. They can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone, man, you're in real trouble. And then verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So I think um, what Solomon's doing is he's talking into what we're talking into today, that it's so important to have healthy relationships. It's so important to have somebody there that when you're going through a tough time, that they can help you through that. You can do that together. You can be that for each other. And I think that's very important. And here at Journey Church, we want to do our best to help you. Maybe you're someone here that um, you don't have a healthy relationship. We're trying to provide you with opportunities through Journey Groups. That's why we're, that's one of the big keys to a journey group is not just studying the word together, but getting to go through life together with people. And I want to say at the end of the service today, CC will be at the back. And if you want to fill out a card to be in a journey group, we're going to start that in February. And we'd love to have you join us on that. Maybe you need, that would be, just be a great place for you to meet one person. A couple other opportunities, women's ministries who meet the first Saturday of every month and then men's ministries that meets the second Saturday of every month. These are opportunities for you to come and get to know people. Get to know people more than just on a Sunday morning. How are you? Good to see you. 
But we need to go deeper than that. We, we got to let people know what's going on in our lives and get to know what's going in somebody else's life and help each other, pray for each other, encourage one another. So this one healthy relationship is really big. And I remember years ago, Rick Warren said these words, and I'll never forget it. He said, if you can make it through life with two good friends, you've done better than most. If, you can make, if you've made it through life with two good friends, you've done better than most people. Friends that really know about you. Friends that really know your dark secrets that we don't know in this room, but you can talk to them about. There's freedom in confessing those things to other people. So we confess to God for forgiveness, but we can confess to others for freedom. And we need other people in our lives. Instead of always trying to say, yeah, everything's okay, life is good, that's me, by the way. But you have that one or two people. Do you have those people, and those two people, one person can really help you out of a place of darkness if you'll allow them, okay? We got two other, or three other ones there we need to talk quickly into. Darren, talk about this one. And I don't like the wording of it, but that's the wording from psychology, so let's go with it. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is kind of interesting. So the, the, there's a research, piece of research that I came across about eight years ago, and what it did is it looked at what is the impact of organized religious attendance? Um, here, of course, we're talking about Christianity and, and um, this organized religion, and so we'll apply it to that. Okay. But what, what they found is that people who attend uh, one, people who do not attend at least one organized religious service a week end up having the same probability of dying early as people who smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. Mm. Um, what they found across anthropology and psychology and economics and sociology is that religion, for some reason or another, attending religious services causes you to be healthy physically and mentally. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line, is religion, participating, being here every week, causes you to be more healthy mentally and physically. I think you said yesterday it also adds to the length of your life. Yeah, it's, it'll add to the, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you can pay us now or you can pay us later, okay? <laughs> if you want to live long and prosper, come to church. There's something, um, I think there's something to be said about that because actually the writer of Hebrews said it this way, hey, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. That's becoming more and more common. But this is what we should do the remainder of the verse, encourage one another, especially now that the day, of the, um, the day of his return is drawing near. So what he's saying is, hey, let's come to church because when we come to church, one of the things we should be doing in our settings together is we should be coming and um, encouraging people, giving people words of encouragement, building people up, and not just coming to say, hey, what can I get today? We don't want to just be a consumer but we want to be a contributor, encourage other people when we come together, and that can go miles and miles and miles into um, good mental health, getting you out of a cave of darkness just by coming to church. So, hey, I want to commend you today for coming to church. You're going to be happier. You're going to live long. I better be careful how I say that, but that's just what the statistics say, okay? I'm just banking on that, and um, I think it's really important. There's something about coming together. 
And that's, I think, one of the dangers right now of our country, and that is that, um, and I say this respectfully because I know there's people that cannot come into this setting that have to watch church virtually. I understand that. I understand that. I understand that. But I don't think the gathering, I don't think you can ever replace the gathering. I don't think you can ever replace when people come into a room together. There's something that cannot be tackled on a virtual setting, and I'm so thankful for that. We've had families come into our church as a result of that, but there's something really important about coming, touching. They say touching is a big thing, even it's a positive touch, a hug, a handshake, whatever it is. There's something powerful about that in coming together. I will always be a big fan. I will always be a big proponent of going to church. If I wasn't a pastor, I would still go to church because there's such value in coming together and gathering in these settings where we can worship the Lord together, where we can praise together, where we can just touch each other. So before you leave today, I want you to give at least two positive touches, okay? Some people are like, no way, okay. If you want to live longer, two positive touches, okay? A lot to be said that. Here's two other ones. I think these two are really important. They're speaking to volunteering, or in the church world, we could say serving. These are very important. Yeah, I just read an article on this just a couple of days ago in which they compared uh, two groups of people, both with depression. One of them spent time volunteering, the other didn't. And then at the end of their volunteering time, they found that the group that did the volunteering uh, had less depression. Uh, you know, they assessed it with a, a validated assessment instrument, and they found that just by simply serving or getting out and cool. doing something. So serving, volunteering, being there for each other, not only being about you. I think this big thing we need to get out of in, our church, in churches across the world today is this whole consumer. We've fallen into a consumer mindset. Let's be people who are contributors and giving and seeing the blessing. Didn't Jesus say it's more what? It's more blessed to what? To give than receive. Other verses, 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? To serve one another. We're here to serve one another. We're here to have, God, you gave me a gift. How can I use that gift? Not for my glorification, not for my boasting, but how can I use my gift to help somebody else out? That's one, one of the biggest things I love about Wednesday night. Wednesday night is like a can't miss for me because, not because I, I like the kids, don't get me wrong, I like the kids a lot, but I tell you what, I love our volunteers. I love that we have this team of like 15 volunteers and we get together and we have more fun than the kids. We laugh together, we enjoy each other. There's something about being around other people who are serving and volunteering together. You can't, you can't miss, man. It's like gold in the bank. So I just want to encourage you, what a way to step out of the cave is by serving, looking to the needs of someone else, not just yourself. And we got one more we need to touch on. So Darren, touch on, I think this one is so big, so big in a lot of people's life. And that is, everybody say it together, purpose. Darren, talking to purpose. Um, Purpose is, is amazingly important. Um, a couple of years, no, about 12 years ago, we bought some land. We had a house on an acre, and we decided we were going to have a really big garden and get off the grid. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I discovered that gardening is not my purpose. <laughs> it's, it's incongruent with who I am. Kneeling in dirt is not my thing. And so whenever I would go out to garden, I would be really unhappy. Which is what happens when... Your wife was happy. Yeah, my wife. <laughs> we just decided not to garden. We used it to run. Um, this is what happens when you are not congruent with your purpose, with who you are as a human, as an individual, with your identity, is you become very unhappy or depressed. They've found that not having a purpose is one of the primary things, or not being able to find a purpose, or not being willing to look into a purpose, is one of the primary things that leads to substance abuse or drug addiction. Oh. Um, it's, it's referred to as existential boredom, honestly, is that you just, you don't know, you don't care, you don't want to. And so the research says that people that pursue purpose in their life uh, and, and know who they are actually are much healthier mentally because they have a focus, they have a vision, they can, they can understand the why of getting out of bed in the morning. I think these are some of the people who have a hard time sleeping at night because they can't wait till tomorrow. Say, God, what do you have for me? I'm excited. I'm so excited. I can't even sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No one, okay. Here we go. A couple verses. These are great gold verses. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can what? Show others the goodness of God. Talk about a purpose in life. Knowing who you are and showing others the goodness of God. What a life purpose to get up in every day. I don't care what your occupation is. I think it should be the same for all of us who are believers to show others, to make God known, to show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. Do you know what your purpose is? Is there something that gets you up every day? And I'm going to show others the goodness of God today. I'm going to show others by being kind, by being gentle, by being forgiven, by being whatever it is. Get up with purpose. Get up with meaning. I know for years I didn't have this information, but I always had this thought that kind of was on my mind, and it was this thought that I'm 57, but I've never had a midlife crisis. I've never had a midlife crisis. And I always thought in my mind, I think the reason is because God has put so much purpose into my life that gets me up every day to say, you know what? Man, I get to be a part of building a church. I get to be a part of the work that God's doing. I mean, that gets you up. That gets you fired up. That keeps you up at night sometime. Just saying, what purpose? To be a part of what God's doing. Another great verse is Ephesians 2.10, for you are God's masterpiece. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to let you know you're a masterpiece. And he has created you anew in Christ Jesus. Why? so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. How many people believe that there's good things that God has planned for you? How many people believe that, that there's good things that God has planned for you? How many people believe that this morning? You wake up believing, God, you have something good for me to do today. You have something, you have purpose for my life. There's purpose, there's meaning. And when we live with that urgency, with that thrill, with that excitement, it's just like, wow, 
Thank you, Lord. So I want to encourage you today, this whole issue of having purpose can bring you out of a dark place. So maybe you're in a dark place right now. I just want you to re-engage in maybe something God wants you to do. He's calling you to do something, not just sit on the sidelines, but get into the game, get engaged, get involved. And I think these things are so, so big. So here's the practical steps that we can take to get out of the cave. You need to get a sustainable schedule. Some of you just need to slow down. You're moving too fast. You have said yes too many times. You want two handfuls. Maybe you need, just need one. Here's another one, exposure to sunlight, the great outdoors. Maybe that's that simple. You need to just get outside this winter. I know it's cold. I know it's chilly, but get out, do, move around, enjoy God's creation. And go over and just sit by a stream someday and just look at the water flow down the stream. I mean, it could be that simple. How about giving thanks? I want to encourage you to make a thankful list this week. Forgiveness. If you're in a place of unforgiveness, may this be the day, may this be the week that you nip this thing and you take care of it and you get right with people in your relationships. It might be, it might just blow you away the results. Healthy relationships. Do you have a place where you have one, two, good relationships in your life? Are you investing in them as they invest in you? Are there people that care for you as you care for them? This healthy relationship is big because we're so surfacy. We're so shallow. We need healthy relationships. Organized religious attendance. Keep coming to church, but here's the deal. I want to say more than anything, and I pray for it often, when people come here, Lord, may they have an encounter with God. I'm not talking about religions. I want people to come in here and have an encounter with God. Because how many people know that one minute in the one moment in the presence of God can change everything? When God's Spirit comes and touches your life, that can turn your world upside down for the good. Two more volunteering and purpose. So which one of those, what practical step resonates with you the most and why? I just want you to take these things home. I want you to think about them. If you're in the cave today, I want you to look through that list and say, God, what are some practical things I can begin to do in my life? I don't even have to wait till tomorrow morning. I can go home today, even in the car. I can begin to give thanks. I can begin to forgive. Maybe there's somebody in your car that you need to forgive. You can begin these things today. And hey, these might be the little steps, practical, everyday little steps that may help you Get out of a place of darkness, depression, because I believe that that's not where God wants us to live. I believe he wants us to be set free. I believe he wants us to be walking in freedom and liberty. But there's some things that we can do. There's things that we can do that are super practical. And I want to encourage you, let's begin to be people who are proactive and do the things that we can do. Amen? Amen. Do you receive God's, do you receive these words today? Hey, Darren, thank you. Let's give it up for Darren this morning. Just stay right. All right. Let's all stand to our feet today. I know for some, I had had so many people so thankful that we were able to tackle a subject that a lot of churches won't tackle. We did. And I hope um, we were helpful in this. And um, I'm finding that people love to talk about things at church that maybe have not been talked about for years. 
Because there's a stereotype in church that we're afraid to talk about these things. And we're not afraid. We're, we're willing to help you out, tackle these things, be there for you. And we want to be a church that helps people right where they live today. So, Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. Just pray your blessing on people's lives. I pray for people who today they might be in a place of darkness, in a place of, um, of despair, a place where they're going through a, a, a depressed time. I pray, God, that you would speak to them this morning and show them what are some things that they could do in their life that would begin to set them free and put them on a new path. And Lord, we just pray, God, that you would help us, that you would be with us. And most of all, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit, that we would be people who are spirit-filled, spirit-driven people. And Lord, we just thank you for this time together. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on each family. Let's all pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.